Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you got your Bibles, go with me to Psalm uh, 1, the first psalm. And starting in verse 1, we're going to read these first six verses. I think it's so awesome when I think about how many of our people are out there right now, and then the room still looks pretty full. I mean, I know we've got some spots where, no, I wanted to sit close to Chris, but that's it. It's just so neat to see so many people that love what is happening here, that are part of it. Psalm 1 and 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. I think this verse would be easier to understand if, if, if instead of the word standeth, if it would have been the word walketh. Looks like I would want to stand in the way of a sinner. Let's talk about in their way, in the way they stand, in the way they walk. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor walk in the way sinners walk, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the blessed man. And in his law, and notice that lowercase l, it's not just the law like the laws that have been written. It's God's way. It's his precepts, his teachings, his ordinances. We meditate on them. We walk in them. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this word. Thank you for giving this, giving it to me, and also giving it to me to give. Help me, fill me, Speak through me. Let it be that when we leave that we've heard your voice. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This word blessed here in its most raw translation, it says happy and to be envied, which I think is great. I'm blessed. Happy and even to be envied. It'd be great. To walk in such a way that we're, we're living in the joy of the Lord and that people should envy and want that. That people should want that. You know, that's how, uh, that's how he provoked and still is provoking Jews, unbelieving Jews to believe is by his uh, salvation coming to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were supposed to carry that in a graceful way to provoke to jealousy. We're supposed to live for Jesus in such a way that people want what we have. Are you so full of joy and peace and love that people say, I wish I had what they have? Or do you carry the name of the Lord in a way that people are uncomfortable and they think, I don't want their stuck-up mean religion? We are supposed to be full of God's way in a way that people think, Man, they have something. They have joy and they have peace. They have problems, but they have joy in the middle of the problem. They still have messes in their lives, but they have peace as they go through the mess. What is it about them? It's Jesus. That's why Paul told the Philippians to let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let let, Let that be the billboard over your life. But this whole scripture... This whole uh, six verses that we read, and we could have gone further, 
tells us who is blessed, who is happy, who is to be envied. Well, it's not the one that listens to the counsel of the ungodly. Have you ever listened to bad counsel? You got any family that loves to give it? I, uh, years ago, I, I wrote a, a booklet, and we still use it today. Whenever I perform uh, weddings, I require them to go through this booklet first that the Lord gave me. It's 108 questions you have to ask before you get married. Anybody saying, man, I wish I would have had it. <laughs> anyway, one, one, uh, one chapter of that book deals with you are married to your spouse, not to their family. Come on, somebody. Now, there is a way that we're married, that we're part of the whole family. But do you know that divorce breeds divorce? Somebody gets divorced, and all of a sudden their, their friends start getting divorced. It starts breeding because we, we get in each other's ear. So if you're going through uh, a trial on the job, if you're going through a stressful situation, if you're having money trouble, if you're having money trouble, you do not want the wrong counsel. Amen? Did you ever get any bad financial advice? You want godly counsel. So who is happy? Who is to be envied? Not the person listening to every other voice, but rather the person that seeks counsel from God and from godly people. Do you know it is rare that we hear from God completely by ourselves? Certainly God can speak to us. God has many times. He'll speak something directly to you. But about big, weighty life issues and decisions, listen, it's really not enough just to hear a voice in your head and say, well, God said it. What you do is you take that that you believe God said and you test it. You test it by the word. And you test it by counsel from godly people that love you. You don't just hear something in your head and take off running with it. No, you come to church and you hear the preached word and you meet with elders in the faith and you get in the Bible and you pray about it over time to see what God is saying. Amen? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or the guy that walks like sinners walks. There are a whole lot of Christians that have a hard time cutting it off with old friends. They still want to be around certain things. They still want to watch certain things. Still want to listen to certain things. And then they wonder why they don't have rest. They wonder why they have confusion. They wonder why there's a struggle and a fight inside of them. And while one thing is in their heart, they're filling their mind with quite another. Listen, your position is very different than your condition. I want my condition to line up with my position. My position is that I'm holy, but my condition doesn't always act like it. My position is that I'm righteous. My position is that I am saved. My position is that I am whole, but I need to transform my condition through what I fill myself with and what I talk about and the people that I'm around. This whole passage, and I would really encourage you to go back and read it and read it in different translations and look up the different words and, man, just really hammer this thing out and get full of that first chapter of, of the book of Psalms. It would be a great blessing to you. But here's what I want to look at today. The whole focus of this is that God has a way. God has a way. There is a right way to live. When I say a way, I'm not talking simply about what you believe in the file cabinet of your memory. What do you believe? Well, here, let me flip through here and pull that out. Here's what I believe. No, I want to know what do, you, what do you live by? When I say there is a way... I'm talking about your outlook. I'm talking about your choices. I'm talking about your decisions. I'm talking about your interactions. I'm talking about your dealings with people. I'm talking about your honesty. To have scruples, to have integrity. 
There is a way of living. What does your daily living look like? Now, I'm not talking about on your worst day when you blew it. I'm talking about not perfection, but I'm talking about direction. I'm talking about a pattern. What is the way that I live? All of these scriptures focus on the fact that happiness and peace come not simply from knowing him, but living according to him. There are lots of people who know him, but their life is a wreck because they're not applying what they know. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied. There are a lot of people that know a lot of wisdom, but they're not using it, so they're not wise. It's just information. A collection of information does nothing for you until you put it to work. So today, I want to share this message with you simply called, There is a Way. Can somebody say that with me? There is a way. I hope that the cry of your heart is this. Yes, I have accepted Jesus, but that's not enough for me. I want to know his way. I want to live according to his precepts. I don't simply want to know that I'll go to heaven one day when I leave earth. I want to live victoriously on earth, and I want to represent him. Yeah, while I'm here, there is a way. It's going to be challenging today. You ready? God has a way for us to live. He does not bless outside of that way. He does not bless outside of that way. Now, let me certify that statement. I don't mean that there is not mercy many times outside of that way, and thank God there is, right? Or none of us would be here. I don't mean that God is completely inactive. I don't mean that he doesn't love you. I don't mean that he never helps us in our failure. I don't mean that he does not bless and keep us even in our immaturity and in our weakness as we grow. So that's not what I'm talking about. But outside of that, I want you to hear the principle. Those ways for his mercy may be very active. He's still helping. He's still saying, come on. But those ways will never, ever prosper us. And when I say prosper, I'm not talking about money. Although, (laughs) when I say prosper, I'm talking about healthy life. I'm talking about healthy. Those ways will never prosper. He will never, ever accept those ways. He may be merciful. He may protect. He may keep pulling you through, and he will. But he will never approve that way. It is not the way that he has placed his blessing on. It is not what he has placed his stamp on. It is not what he has called you to. Some people think that they have an inside special thing going on with God. You've met them. And that God will bend the rules for them. Well, I know I'm doing this, but you don't, God understands. You don't get anything special. You don't get anything. Somebody says, I'm special. Yes, you're special, just like everybody else. God does not bend the rules. He does not bend the rules. They are very wrong, those that think God will make a special circumstance for them to do whatever. They are very wrong, and they have also missed the entire point of what it means to walk with him. And to have his nature and to imitate him. We are called to be imitators of Christ. I want to make a simple statement that if I only made this statement and left you with it, you could pray and meditate on it and you should get the whole of the message today. But then I'm going to keep talking for about 40 minutes. Here's the statement. God's blessing is on a path not on a person. Think about it. Now, I, I know, I know, you mean God never places blessing on a person? 
I know there are special giftings, and that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about an overall picture. So work with me. Give me some liberty, okay? God's blessing, how he brings about victory, his blessing is not simply placed on a person. He places it on a path and then tells the person, here is the blessed path. Walk in it. Amen? That's good, isn't it? Somebody says, and listen, I preach grace. I preach it like crazy. But I also run into people that try to do a lot of crazy things with grace. And they negate and reject and neglect the obvious. And I hear them say statements like this. Now, I'm not blessed because of my actions. I'm blessed because I'm in Christ. They missed the point. They missed the point. It certainly is a blessing that you are in Christ. And the blessing that you have because you're in Christ is that you're in Christ. But it is not true that he is going to bless anything and everything you choose just because he's in you. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm blessed because of faith, not because of my works. You're thinking about the wrong kind of blessing. You're, you're not hearing the difference between position and condition. You are, you are taking a, a spiritual truth about right standing with God, and then you are, you're mixing it up and forgetting about sowing and reaping and cause and effect and consequences. We need to start choosing the things that he can bless instead of choosing our way and expecting him to clean up the mess. But unfortunately, this is how many, many Christians live. They don't live by God's principles. They do what they think they ought to do. And then they run to God and cry for rescue. Now, if that's still where you're living, run to him and cry for rescue. But at some point, grow up. At some point, quit repeating the same dumb stuff that produces the same dumb stuff. While it is true that you are wearing the blessing, and you are, the blessing is not, oh, I got a car and it was a blessing. I got a house and it was a blessing. I got this deal and it was a blessing. It's true. The blessing is really something you wear. It's him, which gives favor and attracts blessings. So I know you're blessed. There's no argument. While it is true that we are wearing the blessing because we are in Christ, being in Christ, in Christ does not force good things to come to bad decisions. Being in Christ does not force good things to come to ungodly decisions. Are you hearing me? The Apostle Paul summed it up really well in Galatians to the church at Galatia. We find it in the fifth chapter and 25th verse. He said this. He said, if we live in the Spirit, now what does it mean to live in the Spirit? It means you're born again. You are the Spirit is in you, and you're in the Spirit. On my bad days, I still live in the Spirit. I'm in the Spirit. Now, you, you get around certain churches, they think in the Spirit means the moment you checked out at the altar. You're in the Spirit. You start shaking your hairpins loose, and you're, oh, oh, she got in the Spirit. Well, if she was saved, she was in the Spirit when she got here. She may have slipped out of her mind for a minute, but... We are living in the Spirit. If you're saved, you are in the Spirit. Somebody say, I'm in the Spirit. Don't get too happy yet. That doesn't mean you're walking in the Spirit. Paul said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Do you hear the rebuke in that? The Apostle Paul is saying, I know you're in the Spirit, and because you are, Looks like you ought to walk in him. I know you got Jesus in you, so you should walk it out. Come on. You're living in him. Walk like it. Talk like it. Act like it. 
Walk your salvation out. Walking according to the Spirit or walking carnally determines the difference between being at peace with God and having the peace of God. And there is a difference. There is a difference between being at peace with God and having the peace of God. Think about this. You are at peace with God when you place faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Now there's nothing between you and him. You have been placed in right standing with him. So you have, you're at peace with God. But you will not have the peace of God until you start living according to his will. There are a lot of people who say, me and Jesus are okay. Yeah, but you and everybody else ain't okay. Your life is not okay. You're correct that if you died at this moment, you would go to heaven, and it may be fortunate for you if you did because you are living in hell while you're still here on the earth. Come on. I don't want to just be at peace with God. I want to live in the peace of God in my life. Amen. You may be at peace with God, but that doesn't mean you're filling your daily life with his peace. Jesus inside of you does not force everything in your life to go the right way. My amen corner. Jesus inside of you, so many Christians, they put everything on the fact, I'm saved. If that's enough, why do we come here every week? That's enough to make you right with God. It's enough to get your name in the book. It's not enough to make it successfully through this life and on this earth. Jesus inside of you does not force everything in your life to go the right way for you. That's like keeping your guard dog, your guard dog locked up in the, in the basement and expecting him to protect you from intruders. How did this man break in and hurt me? I have a guard dog in the basement, locked up. It doesn't do any good that you have the dog if you don't let him out. And it does you no good in this life to have Jesus if you don't let him out. It's not enough that he's tucked down in the basement of your heart, but I need him to flood out into the entire temple of the Holy Ghost. Your Bible says you're his house. That you're his house. Colossians 3 and 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. You have to choose to allow the peace of God. Years ago, there was a young lady. She was, oh, she was a miserable person. I think she still is. Just lived miserably. And somebody invited her to church. And she came. She came one Sunday. She never came back again. A while later, she's still angry, still sad, still mad, still everything. And they said, why don't you come to church? She said, I did. She said, it didn't work. It didn't work that Sunday she came. She showed up to church, and all of her problems didn't leave, and she was not suddenly happy every morning through every night because she showed up at church on Sunday that once. Now, that is so extreme that we can say, that's ridiculous. But many of us really expect the same thing. We expect, I got saved, I should be happy. I show up at church, I should be happy but we don't live our life in the way. We don't live according. This says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. 
to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. There are decisions and choices that release peace. The ball is in our court. The Lord has given us all power in heaven and in earth. He has given us dominion. He has given us authority. He's given us power over the enemy. If he's given us all of this, but we still got these problems, the problem is not with God. Let this peace rule in your heart. Jesus makes us right with the Father, but godly choices make us victorious on earth. Isn't that good? Humans seem to have the idea that we can do anything we want to do, but that God will somehow make it turn out right. Sure is quiet in here this morning. We live however we want, but then we clock in at church, and God's supposed to make everything work out. That's not how it works. It doesn't work like that. If you think that's the promise of God, you are reading the wrong book because that's not the promise. Your life will never change until you change. You cannot stay the same and expect that one day life will be different. Hey, I'll just keep praying it'll change one day. What steps are you taking? What decisions are you making? Thank you, Dr. Bacon. What, what are you doing differently to produce the thing you are seeking and pursuing and asking for? But people do. They live the same every day. Got same job, same routine, same every, doing everything the same way. And they think one day, I don't know by what, they will be rich and things will be fixed and life will be at ease. That. That's not how it works. I could, uh, I could pray every day that I would wake up in Thailand. But maybe I should get on a plane and start moving toward... I'm not going to wake... I'm not going to go to sleep and then wake up thousands of miles away. I have to go there. Wherever you're trying to go in your life, you don't just go there, you grow there. It happens a step at a time. It happens a piece at a time, a day at a time, a decision at a time. You have to start moving toward the change in your life. Your life won't change until you do. Your results will never change until your choices change. If you're making the same choices, you will get the same results. If you're putting the same stuff in, it will not magically start coming out different. Whatever you are putting in is not working. It's going to keep producing. Seeds produce after their kind. You cannot keep putting in the same kind of seed and pray for a different harvest. Apple seeds will always make apples. Pumpkin seeds will always make pumpkins. Watermelon seeds will always make watermelons. If you want a different crop, you must sow a different seed. Life does not work by a spiritual gospel magic wand. You cannot wave it and wish it and change it. You must move toward it. If your relationship is not working, you're putting the wrong stuff in. How long will it take before you say, oh, this is not working. We need to do it differently. If your ministry is not working, how long will it take? If the way you're parenting your kid is not working, how long will it take before you will step back and say, oh, maybe we should do something differently instead of insisting, well, this is how we always did it, and so I'm just going to do it and beat the thing until it works suddenly. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You need to step back and reassess and say something is wrong here. 
The time has changed. The season has changed. The perspective has changed. It doesn't work today like it did yesterday because life has changed. The world changed. We've got to look at it differently. Are we helping anybody? Christians have created their own delusional. Delusional means to believe a reality that's not reality. You believe something that's not true. You believe it's actually true. You, be, you are deluded. The facts don't matter to you. The evidence, don't, the evidence doesn't matter to you. And you keep believing it. And it's not real. It's an illusion you've created. Christians have created their own delusional reality where we make poor decisions but ask God to change the outcome by way of miracles. And then we say we're prayer warriors. We fast about it. Or what, you know, we make it spiritual. Let me read it again. Christians have created their own delusional reality where we get to make poor decisions but ask God to change the outcome by way of miracles. Listen, we want to eat 10,000 calories a day and then ask God to render the calories ineffective. But God's way is that we would walk in enough wisdom to eat less calories. You see, we want God to answer prayers our way. And our way is miracles, miracles, miracles. We will do this, and you will override nature and produce a different outcome. I'll sow what I want to sow, but you will grow good things. He'll never do it. He will never, ever, ever work outside of his way. God's way is not to negate the calories. It's for you to eat less. We want to drive really fast on the, I don't know where my steering wheel went when I did that. It was going to be good, and then I realized I had a microphone, and I could, I could do it like this. We want to drive really fast and ask God to keep us safe. But that's not God's way. God's way is to ask for self-control and drive safely. He told me that one day. I have a heavy foot. And I, one day, I'm just flying. I said, God, keep me safe. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to ask me to help you to drive safely. It is not drive how you want to drive and add miracles to it. It's drive the way that produces safety. It's so easy on paper. We want to blow all of our money and then look for Jehovah Jireh to show up. Jehovah Jireh already showed up. And you were a poor steward over the money he trusted you with. So now he will wait for you to mature for a few more years before he gives you any more than you can handle. Enjoy that. At some point, we should want to break the cycle and say, I don't really want to go around this mountain again. God is not going to keep breaking through and forcing a truckload of provision at your front door. No, he's going to break you, and you will have to submit and budget what he sends you. Thank you, Vince. Should we go further? Let's. I wish we had a, hope we got a bunch of, te we got any teenagers still in here? They all outside. At least two. Okay, good. They don't feel singled out now that we said that. All right, I want to talk to all young people, all single people. All right. We want to ask God to send us the right one. 
but we're already cheating on them before they get here. People cheating on their spouse that they've never even met yet. Have fun explaining that to them when they get here. We want to do things that feel good now and hurt later and just ask God to take away the hurtful part. I'm preaching. I'm thinking on meddling, but I'm still preaching. We want to do things that feel good now and hurt later and just ask God to take away the hurtful part. But God says we need to deny the temporal pleasure that causes hurt later and choose patience that produces joy. Oh, we helping. Do you want peace? Do you want joy? Do you want practical holiness? Now, I know all my grace people. I'm already holy. I can't be any more holy. Practical holiness. I'm talking about living out. I'm not telling you you don't have it. You do have it. I'm talking about living it out. I'm as righteous as I can be. Well, act like it then. If you are righteous, live right. Righteousness is supposed to produce right. Do you want peace? Romans 14, 19 says, Then let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Hmm, that's a novel idea. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. If you want peace, do the things that produce peace and quit doing the things that produce chaos and confusion and pain and heartbreak and destruction and things wherewith one may edify another. Let's, per, let's pursue the things that would bring peace and help us to build each other up. God's promise is not on a particular person. Here's another fill in the blank. God's promise is not on a particular person. It's on a particular path. God's promise is on a path, not a person. God's promise is on a way, not on a human. And it's for every human. No special treatment. Romans 2.11, for there is no respect of persons with God. God doesn't say, well, I'll do it for them. Just I just like them. They're living squirrely, but I'll do it anyway because I like them. No respecter of persons. He tells this one, there is a way. And he tells this one, there is a way. Your outcome will be produced not by me, but by you and how you lean on me for that way. His blessing is on a particular way of doing things. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We don't have time for all of it. Please read it all when you go home. Please read all of Deuteronomy 30, but we're going to start in verse 19. Uh, I, I should tell you that before this verse, God has given an exhaustive list, and it says, these things will hurt you. These things will help you. And then he says this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. God said, I told you what would help, and I told you what would hurt. He said, I already told you, and you keep picking the thing that hurts, and then you get mad at me for it. He said, I laid life before you, and I laid death before you. Pick life Pick wisdom, pick stewardship, pick purity, pick moral excellence and integrity. Pick doing it the right way. Pick honesty. I call heaven and earth to record this day. I've set before you life and death, blessing, curse, and therefore choose life that both you 
Uh-oh. And your seed may live. He says, by the way, every decision you make, it's not just affecting you. It's also affecting them. Those ones out there in the foam pit right now. He says, do it the right way. It'll preserve you and them. You do it the wrong way, it hurts you and them. I don't want to do stuff that I wouldn't want to explain to my kids. But, so what do we do? We ask for mercy, and then we ask for help and for wisdom, and we do better. And we do better. That thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is your life. He's your length of days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This was his promise to Israel, but it is his way. We find here his character revealed in the nature and how he deals with his people. So, God told us where his, do you want his promises? God told us where they are. God told us where the promise is, and it's not anywhere else. He said, the promise is right over there. It's not there, and it's not there, and it's not there, and it's not. He said, the, I put it one place. God told us where the promise is, and it's not anywhere else. It's only in one place. It's only on one path. If we choose another path, the promise simply isn't over there. God did not punish you. God didn't mess with you. God didn't work against you. He told you, over here. And you said, I think I'll go this way and find it. God says, but I only put it over there. It's only on this path. You won't find it over there. Ah, uh, I'll get back with you later. I, I think I'll find it over here. And that's what we do. And that's how we live. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way which seems right to a man to a human, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God says, I want to give you fair warning. There will be ways that really seem, I, oh, I really, I, I'm feeling this. I ought to, I ought to do this. I, I just think, I think I can do this. God says, I'm warning you. There will be stuff that looks so good it will be so tempting. It will seem right. It will seem right. You remember the, the enemy comes as an angel of light. He said, it will seem right. So now we sit here and say, oh, my God, how will I know the difference? Hebrews said, the word of God is the only thing sharp enough. The sword of the spirit, the only thing sharp enough to cut, to divide asunder between soulish, and spirit. We will only be able to recognize that way in that path by hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word, reading it, hearing it preached, praying, and getting godly counsel. When you put those together, you can't lose. You cannot lose. If you will read, if you will hear the preached word, if you will pray, and if you will meet with godly counsel, Say, oh, man, I'm so scared I'm going to miss God. He's a pretty big target. If you're shooting for him, if you're trying, if you're pursuing it, you're not going to miss God. He's going to make sure that. Boy, give him a hand clap of praise. I want to read one more passage to you. This was going to be the first passage. And then as the, as the Lord dealt with my heart and gave me the, the order of processing on this. So much of what we receive is not just the right information, but it's unpacked in the right order because we've got to come into it or we won't grasp it. This had to come last, but this one's going to hit us the hardest. 
God told Jeremiah, God had been making some promises to Israel as a people about establishing them and securing them and blessing them and making them prosperous. He had made these promises to them. Has God ever promised you some things? A whole bunch, actually, if you'll read the will. Listen to this. God tells Jeremiah, tell the children of Israel this. Here it comes. Chapter 18, verse 9. Now we're, we're catching it mid-thought here. At another time, I might suddenly speak about a nation or a kingdom that I will build up or establish. That's a good promise. If they do evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will reverse my decision concerning the good with which I had promised to bless them. Somebody say, We say, God told me he'd do this for me. And then we ran and did whatever we want. And we're still waiting on God to do it. But God said, let everybody know, when I tell them I'm going to do a thing, it's because of the direction they're going, and my promise is on that path. If they go and do something different, they don't get this path's promise on another path. So I will reverse the decision, and I will not do for them what I said I was going to do because it's over here. Anybody read that before? That was a new one for me. I mean, I guess I've read it, but different things jump out. This is what we must understand. That's not God being mean. That is not God going back on his promise. That is God saying, when you were moving this direction, I made the promise to you. But if you disobey, and if you run from me, you don't get it over here. I reverse it. And what you get over here is whatever's growing on that path. And if Jesus isn't on it, a lot of stuff's growing over here on this path. There is a way. Friends, trust the Lord. <laughs> when he gives us scripture, when he gives us promises, when he gives us cause and effect, when he says in his word, say, that ah, sounds like some Old Testament stuff. Okay, let's go through all the prison epistles. Well, we went through several of them today. Sowing and reaping is the same. Cause and effect are the same. Actions and reactions are the same. Consequences. And God takes your living right very seriously because you're wearing his name and you're wearing you're wearing our name too not only are you representing God you're representing your brothers and sisters you're representing the home church that you go to you're representing your pastors you're representing these babies there's a way there's a right way the good news is this. Do it that way. Do it that way and watch what happens. Don't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Will lie to you. Not every time, but many times. I like to say it like this. Take note of your feelings, but don't trust them. Pay attention to your feelings. It's worth analyzing. Okay, I, I am feeling this way. It could mean something. Why am I feeling this way? 
Get with somebody that you can talk that through. I'm not telling you to throw feelings out. That would be equally foolish. Don't throw your emotions out. They're God-given. God gave you emotion. Years ago, I got tired of heartbreak. I got tired of hurting. I hurt for a lot of years. And I prayed and asked God that I just wouldn't feel anymore. That was not a good prayer. That was not a good prayer. And God, he kind of let me taste that. Found out really soon that feelings aren't bad. We got to wrangle them, though. We got to do right with them. So pay attention to your feelings, but don't trust them. Take note of your feelings, but don't take them to the bank. Process them. Talk about them. Work through them. And listen, when your feelings don't agree with the Word, if the Word says something is wrong, when your feelings say it's right, you're wrong. The Word is right. And that's when I don't go with my feelings and I do what the Bible says, period. Now, sometimes your feelings say it's wrong, but the Bible says it's right. The Bible's right. Listen, sometimes I think as grace people, we are guilty of not even paying attention to the law. I know it's fulfilled. Thank God it's fulfilled because I don't live up to it. So thank God that positionally I do live up to it and it's fulfilled. I'm righteous even when I fail. Thank God. But the law is holy, and it's just, and it's good. And the law comes with tremendous benefit. There is tremendous benefit to not killing your neighbor. There is tremendous blessing with not stealing. There is tremendous blessing to not coveting. There is tremendous blessing to not committing adultery. There is tremendous blessing to not having idols before him. We could go through all the commandments. We could go through all the law. They're good things. The law is good. I just haven't lived up to it, and thank God he did for me. But now I want to represent it. Oh, if I use grace, if I use grace as an open excuse to get by with something that the Bible said I'm not supposed to do, shame on me. And God forbid, and oh, the havoc that I'm going to wreak in my life and my babies. There is a way. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap. So today, I just want to pray corporately, collectively. I want all of us to enter into prayer that God would help us to recognize wisdom and to apply it. And that God would help us to get real, real serious. Throughout your Christian life, you ever go through them seasons where you get lazy? I do. And I say, well, you know, I'm praying for God. God, reel me in. Reel me in that I would be serious about your way, that I would want your best, that I want your best. I don't want to just get away with what I can. I want to live for him. Let me add a little PS. Right now, uh, Oh, Audrey, I got to talk to you about that video because so much of it. I'll, she sent me a video. I'll share it on Facebook. Everybody can watch it. Um, it's pretty wild. But anyway, his heart, it just bore witness with what the Lord's been speaking to me as an evangelist. Folks, none of us know what's going to happen in this world. We got to get folks saved. We got to get folks saved. We have to put forth efforts like never before to lead people to Jesus. If we are not living to get people saved, what in the world are we living for? What are we living for? Get people saved. That was the PS. Let's stand together. So we're going to pray 
We're going to pray for, I think my leg might be asleep. If I just fall over, I'm not slain in the spirit. Somebody help me because I probably broke something. (laughs) We are going to pray together for wisdom, for discernment, and to be serious about God's way. But there might be somebody here that's never received Jesus. If you are here and you are not born again, this is your moment You see, one day you're going to leave your body. One day you're going to leave this earth, every one of us. It should concern you immensely where you will go. The thing that will happen to you when you leave your body should concern you. But Jesus says there is a way to live forever. You see, we are sinners because of the fall of Adam, because of the fall. Sin entered into the heart of humanity. It is not simply your sins that have separated you from God, it is sin itself, it is the sin condition inherited. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and God himself, he left heaven and he came to earth to take care of this sin problem. No human being could be the sin sacrifice because every human being was stained with sin. A perfect human sacrifice was required. A sinless human sacrifice was required to undo what Adam did to reverse the curse. And Jesus Christ became that man, that God-man, a sinless human being. And he went to the cross of Calvary and they nailed him there and he shed his blood like a sacrificial lamb to pay the price for all of our sin. Three days later, he got up from the dead, came back to life and wants to live in you. If you have never accepted that for yourself, you must. Jesus said, you cannot ever see the kingdom of heaven without being born again. How do you get born again? It's a good question. Nicodemus asked it too. He said, I was already born. What do I do? Go in my mother's womb again? What are you talking about? Born again. He said, no, no, Nicodemus, not natural birth. You already did that when the water broke. He said, first you're born of the water. He said, I'm talking about being born of the spirit. This is a spiritual birth. When you accept, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus died for me and I say, yes, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Wash me, cleanse me, forgive me and come in. You are born again, your spirit, the real you on the inside. Before you come to Christ, it's dead. You're spiritually dead. Your soul is alive. Your brain is sending out electrical uh, impulses to keep your body alive, but spiritually you're dead. You gotta be born. If you want that, if you have never been born again, if you have never had your spirit brought to life by the sacrifice of Jesus, You can do it right now. And when that happens, you are saved from your sin. You are forgiven, you are redeemed, and you're on your way to heaven one day when you leave. If there's one here that says, I want that, would you step out from where you are? And would you join me? Would you come and stand? I will lead you in a prayer as you place faith in what Jesus did. Is there anyone here that is not born again. Come right now. Come right now. If you are watching at home, you don't have to be in a church building. You don't need to be religious. You are not uh, joining the membership role of a denomination. You don't have to be a Baptist or a Methodist or Church of the Nazarene. or It has nothing to do with any of that. Thank God for wonderful people in every church. But what we're talking about is Jesus inside of you. Wherever you are right now, you call out to him. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. 
I know you died on the cross for me. And I know you got back up from the dead. And I want you to live in me. Forgive me. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, would you click the message button and shoot me a a quick message to tell me, preacher, I got saved today. I received Jesus today. I got a free booklet that I want to send you that's going to help you. It has nothing to do with our church. It teaches about prayer and worship and Bible reading. It's just going to help you to get started. Send me your mailing address. We'll drop that in the mail first this week, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.